0: Is where you are, and you never want it perfect, you just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over, if the story isn't good, and failure's never final oh, when the father's in the room. I said, failure's never final. with me, prodigals, prodigals come home, yeah, the helpless find hope, because love is on the move, when the father's in prison doors, the prison doors fling wide, the dare come to life, singing love is on the move, when the father's in the road. With me today, prodigals are coming home Say, Prodigals come home now. The helpless find hope. Love, love is on. Whoa. Prison doors fling, prison doors fling wide. The dead come to lie, Singing love is on the moon. When
2: Praise the Lord! It's good to see you this morning. It's kind of a heavy heart this morning as we begin our service. And some of you may have heard, but early this morning uh, Gerald Childs had a heart attack and passed away. And so we kind of kind of sad this morning. Uh, I spent a couple hours with Ladonna and the kids this morning, and they're they're pretty upset about it. Come as a shock to all of us. We didn't Gerald was when when she called me and told me. I said that's the last person I would have expected that from but uh it's it's a very tragic thing and uh so i want this morning as we begin our service i said it's a it's it's a sad time but for Gerald, it's a time of rejoicing today is a day of rejoicing for him because he's he's walking on streets of gold he's with our savior this morning and ladonna was listing off family members that that have gone before him that he's getting to see and spend time with and they named off a couple grandkids that have passed on and so uh they they were of course they were saddened but they were happy because he's a, able to hold his grandbabies in heaven that he didn't get to hold here on earth and so we're 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 excited for Gerald but we're we're certainly sorrowful and sad for Ladonna and for the kids and uh, just to let you know uh, Erica and Thomas their their two of their kids are here um, Ethan is scheduled to arrive in Dallas Fort Worth at ten thirty so he'll be uh, some of you know Ethan he grew up in the church and so. Uh, he'll be landing any, any moment now, and they've got plans to get him up here as well, so he'll be arriving soon. Um, I don't have any idea about any services. As soon as we find out any of that stuff, we'll let you guys know. Um, we are planning to take some food over. Uh, we've got arrangements made today, but if you'd like to help uh, take some food, they've got several family members, and, of course, their children are in. Uh, get with Robin. Uh, or even Jill after the service, and, and we'll kind of get a kinda plan on that so we can take food and, and paper goods and stuff so they don't have to worry about that this week. You know, Gerald and LaDonna are family. They're not just every now and then come to church, but they're our family. LaDonna serves on the board now. Gerald has served on the board in the past, and, and they both work in the church, and they're, they're one of us. And we love them. And so we want to make sure that, that LaDonna and, and her family is taken care of this week. So if you can help us out in that area, please help us out. But why don't we take just a moment this morning as we begin our service, why don't we just take and let's just lift them up in prayer. LaDonna and, and Thomas, their oldest son, and his wife Molly and, and Ethan and Erica. Erica, but what's Ethan's wife's name? Emery? Emma. 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 Let's just lift them up in prayer, and, of course, the rest of their family as well. But why don't we go to the Lord real quick, and and let's just pray that they'll have strength and just give them comfort through this time. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Gerald that we know, Lord, has, has a faithful servant to you, Lord. We know that right now he's rejoicing in heaven, and Lord, we thank you for his life, Lord, the example that he's led before us, the example he led for these young boys in the Royal Rangers as he taught them, Lord, and, and for everyone that his life touched, Lord, but right now we lift up LaDonna and, and her family and the, the kids, Lord, as they're going through a hard time right now, Lord, they're heartbroken as they've lost their husband and their father, Lord, and their the love of their life, Lord, and we pray right now that you would give them strength, Lord. We We pray for peace, Lord. We pray for comfort right now, God, that your love, that that no one can understand your love more than than those of us that you give it to, God, but I pray that you would begin to show them your love right now in this time, Lord, that you would just wrap your arms around them and comfort them and smother them right now, Lord, and Lord, let us be anything that we can do for them, Lord, let us be an example to them during this time. Let us be an uplifting encouragement to them, Lord, as your people and as your church, Lord. We love you, God. We thank you for your faithfulness that we know in our time of need, you're always there for us. God, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You never abandon us, Lord. And as David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread, God. And we praise you for that right now. And we love you, Lord. We give you glory, God, for your work and for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I know that, uh, I know that, that it was about... Two forty this morning when it happened, and so I know they 're probably all exhausted today. I know you want to reach out to them, but if they don 't answer your call, uh, please be a little understanding that they 're probably exhausted, and some of them have been traveling all night to get here so uh, but we just want to love on them again they 're family, yeah. and know they 're part of us, and so we love them and and just keep them in your prayers this week. A um, couple of announcements. <clears throat> there are some angel tree uh, tags back there, I think there 's about ten or so hanging on the big tree. Uh, we, we're kind of late getting them up, and uh, on them, I know it says the 6th, which is two days from now, but if you could if you take one of those, if you could get those back uh, to the church by Friday, uh, we will make sure that they get put in there, and uh, uh, Robin is kind of overseeing that, but if you'll get them to the church, uh, we'll be here at the church all week, so uh, you can either call up here and make sure one of us is here when you come, um, or we can make sure that we get those in. Uh, but if you could have those back by Friday, if possible, and like I said, there's about 10 out there, there's enough people here to take 10, so if we can get those, that'll, that'll help some needy kids. And uh, I know you may look at them and go, I don't think these kids are that needy. Listen, my kids are needy. <laughs> I don't know if you've looked at the prices or anything lately, but everybody's needy, so if we can help out someone, help them have a better Christmas, you know, we, we do it because we're sharing the love of Jesus, but we'd appreciate you helping that as well. Um, another <clears throat> excuse me another announcement uh, our youth is selling these beautiful calendars <laughs> beautiful wall calendars now I talked to Jill and somebody I said do we really want to sell calendars do people use calendars anymore and I said well yeah because when do you know when the swan's truck's coming if you don't have a calendar <laughs> put your sticker on I tried to order calendars with pictures of me on it and they, they said they'd have to charge too much for that So we got these beautiful calendars. We're selling them for $10 each. They do have scriptures on them. They all have a beautiful picture. It is a heavy calendar. It's not just real flimsy pages. And it has scriptures on each week. And it is for 2023. Uh, I made sure it wasn't 2022. But... We're, we're starting early to fund camp this year because camp prices keep going up and we want to make sure we have enough to send our kids to camp and we have to, we have to register in February now so we're trying to get a head start on it but we're selling these they'll be out in the lobby or the foyer uh, after church just grab one of the teenagers or they'll probably have a box of them out there but if you want to get a counter they make great gifts as well uh, even if you already have a counter you can buy one give us as a gift but uh, that really helps our kids go to camp it's, it's kind of an easy way and, and it's something that you can use all year long and maybe we'll raise enough money. I can buy some with my picture and say, want then you'll have a picture of me every single month. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand? Let's open with a word of prayer this morning. I know we prayed for, uh, for LaDonna and her family, but let's just, the, the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And be glad in it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to rejoice in song. We're going to rejoice in the word in just a little bit. Why don't we rejoice in our own way right now and just tell the Lord how much we love him this morning. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I rejoice in this day that you have created, that I can come to your house and I can worship you and I can celebrate my salvation. I can celebrate my freedom. I can celebrate healing and deliverance. God, I can celebrate that I know Jesus and that Jesus knows me. And I love you this morning, God. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we pray that you would move in a mighty way this morning. God, that you would touch lives, that you would send your Holy Spirit and stir within us and move this morning in a mighty way, God. We love you this morning. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
3: Hallelujah. We went to the Lord with praise, and now we're going to go with singing. Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence. Father, help us to never take that for granted. Just move through our hearts and our minds this morning, God, as we worship your holy name. ready? There is no shadow could ever stand against your might, and there is no rival, I could ever stand against your might, you've always been with us, every battle you've already won, we've already won, and there is no weapon. Ever left a mark on you, and there is no army with the power to conquer truth. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won. You've already won. Show me one thing he can do. Show me. show me one thing that's too hard show me waters he can't part he's the god of the breakthrough and anything is possible it's possible and there is a kingdom Advancing at the speed of light, and in his kingdom, every dead thing is bound to rise. He's all my redeemer, he is faithful to revive. Oh, he will revive! Oh, show me, Lord, show me. turn into praise, shake off despair as I sing out your name, a Victorian dance. I will dance out and play. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. Now all of my fear I will turn into praise, shake off despair as I sing out your name, a Victorian dance will dance out and play i will crush disappointment and break every chain now all of my fear i will turn into praise shake all despair as i sing out your name a victory dance i will dance out and play i will crush disappointment show me one thing He can't do show me a mountain possible Hallelujah Hallelujah we don't know how he's going to do it when he's going to do it but we have the promise that he will do it Father we believe this morning that you are the way maker We believe God that your plans are better than ours God Your thoughts are higher than ours God The things that we can't see in our hearts, God, in our minds, we know in our spirit, God, that you're in control, Father. Help us this morning to just submit ourselves to you and release our spirits to you so you can have that control, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Lord. They say these chains will never break. Start that over. Go to the, back to the beginning. I'm having a hard time here. Just keep playing. Just keep playing. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break they haven't seen what you can do there is power in your name they say this
4: mountain can't be
3: moved sing that again sing the first verse they say these chains will They say this mountain can't be moved. Let's lay our mountains down this morning. They say these chains will never break. They haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name. Go the So much power. Break the unbreakable my mind just faith just faith that's not supposed to be something that we just have we're supposed to put that in action because we can say we have faith all day long but if we don't actually act on that then do we really have the faith that he's going to do it that last song said move the immovable and break the unbreakable do we believe that he can actually do that Father, help us this morning to increase our faith. And even that, to increase our faith. He didn't say we had to have a lot. Just faith is a grain of a mustard seed. Father, we put our faith into action this morning, God. And we believe, God, that you will do what you said you were going to do. That the promises that are for us, God, are coming to fruition. Jesus' name, amen. Speak to me when the silence stills my voice. You understand me, you understand me, and come to me in the valley of unknowns. You understand.
2: hallelujah hallelujah let's just thank him thank you lord thank you lord for all that you do for us thank you lord that we know we can just put it in your hands lord we can give it to you and you're going to take care of it lord lord your word says to ask and you'll receive it says seek and you'll find knock and it will be open to you lord and we claim that right now lord we turn all our needs over to you god all our hurts lord lord All our sickness, Lord, all our our financial needs, God, anything that we have, Lord, we just put it in your hand, Lord, because we know that your hand is mighty and strong. God, that your hand can control everything that we need. God, we got to take away from ourselves and give it to you, God, so you can do it, Lord, because in your hands, everything is taken care of. And we praise you, God. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Thank you for your word, God, that comes from you, Lord, that's for us to receive. Lord, we receive that word. And Lord, we turn it all over to you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This morning, if you have a need, he says, just put it in my hand." He says, "I'll take care of it. I'll meet that need." Zelda uh, Copeland called me this morning and said to pray for Etzel, he's got COVID. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Etzel's 91 years old. And so let's be sure and lift him up in prayer. If you have a need this morning, why don't you just lift your hand up this morning? And we're going we're gonna to take those to the Lord. And I believe we're going to do what, what that said. Just put it in his hand. We put it. His hand is so much bigger than ours. We sang that song as kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. Why would I want to try to hold my problems in my hand when I can put it in his hand? And I know he's going to take it from me and he's going to take care of it. And then you know what? I'm going to stop worrying about it and I'm just going to praise him. Amen. If you got need this morning, why don't you just lift your hand up this morning? We're going to go before the Lord. Lord, you see these hands that are raised this morning. God, whatever the need is, no matter how great, no matter how small, right now in the name of Jesus, we ask for an answer to prayer. And God, your word says if we ask, we'll receive it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we believe right now, Lord, as we turn these needs over to you, you're going to move in a mighty way. God, you're going to send your Holy Spirit right now and begin to touch these needs. God, you're going to begin to heal. You're going to begin to deliver. God, you're going to meet financial needs. God, you're going to meet physical needs and spirit. Spiritual needs, God, I believe right now, God, miracles are going out of this room. They're going through this room, through the people, God. They're going into our homes, our workplaces. God, whatever the need is, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we claim those needs, those, those answers to prayer. God, we claim those miracles, and we love you, God. And God, now we're just going to praise you and thank you because you're worthy of our praise this morning because we know you're the God that answers prayers. You're the God of miracles this morning, and we praise you for that. We thank you, God, for answering prayers this morning. And we love you, Lord, and we glorify you for all that you're doing, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. Don't you love it when we hear from the Lord? Man, I can stand up here and talk all you want. But when the Lord speaks, man, that's powerful. Amen. Amen. If our ushers will come, we'll take up our morning tithes and offering at this time. Amen. Let's pray over the offering this morning. Father, we thank you. For all your blessings, Lord, we thank you for all the times that you meet our needs, God. And God, you, your word says you'll supply all our needs according to your riches and glory. And we thank you for that right now, Lord. And as we take time to give back to you, Lord, just a small portion of what you've given to us. Lord, we pray that you'd bless it. Lord, multiply it as you've done so many times. Use it, Lord, for this church and for this the mission around the world, God, as we go to spread your word. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. For your giving this morning, I don't need to introduce this guy. You got y'all know him, but I do want to make one announcement to make sure that it gets out there. Tonight, we are having a pastoral election, and so uh, uh, Pastor Dave will be a, a ministering this morning and tonight. So if you missed him last week, now's your chance. Uh, but uh, following the service tonight, we will have a business meeting and we will have a pastor election. So be sure to uh, be here tonight for that as well. And like I said, I don't need to introduce him. So.
5: guy good morning you come expecting this morning? I'm going to ask you again because I'm not convinced. Did you come expecting this morning? Because I believe we serve a miracle working God. That one song we sang has a a verse in it and it it actually comes from the Bible and it really made me think about it. It says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And as I think about that scripture, for so many years I would read that passage and when he would say, do you believe? And he said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And I would say to myself, How can that be? How can you believe and have unbelief? This isn't the message. This is just what the Lord put on my heart after that song this morning. How how can you believe and have unbelief? And I'll tell you why. Because true biblical faith is found in the heart. But your head can talk all kinds of stuff. So Lord, I believe in my heart that you can do it, but take away the stinking thinking. Take away all the nonsense, Lord, and let what's in my heart be what guides me and what leads me. Amen. So, Lord, today we believe, help our unbelief. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And, Lord, again, we lift up LaDonna and her family to you. Let them feel the peace that passes all understanding. Let them be comforted today. Let them be surrounded by loved ones, but most of all, let them be surrounded by your love. Lord, we lift up those also in the church that are battling sickness, that are battling illness, whatever it is they're facing today, Lord. And we just, we just speak to that mountain and tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Because by your stripes we were healed. It's already been bought and paid for. So today we stand in faith and declare victory in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you to have your way in this message today. Let it be your message and not mine. And Lord, most of all, I ask for ears to hear, but hearts to listen and receive. And I thank you, Lord, that as the Word of God gets inside of us, it will come out of us. In Jesus' precious name, and we all said, amen, amen. amen. Well, my title of my message this morning is going to be called Perilous Times. Perilous Times. Now, when we hear that not all of you got excited right you're like oh no come on tell us the good stuff tell us the stuff we want to hear but listen when i tell you what the bible says you're going to understand why and so we're going to talk about two men today the first one is paul you all know paul you know the apostle paul and his story but we're going to look at his story and then we're going to talk about a man named timothy has anyone ever heard of a man named timothy in the bible There's two books that are written to him. They were written by Paul, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But Timothy spent his ministry life growing up under the apostle Paul, getting to know and hear the story of Paul, to hear the life of Paul, to see the radical transformation, to see what Jesus had done in his life, to grow up under that ministry is so powerful. And to build your ministry off of that witness must have been such a powerful moment. You and I would say, what a radical transformation for Paul. Go to Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at this together because it really is going to tie in to where we're going. Now, we know that Timothy meets Paul when Paul goes on his first missionary journey. And on his first missionary journey, he goes through Derby and Lystra. And when he does, he bumps into a young teenager named Timothy. Now why is that so important? Because clearly he inspired Timothy at a young age to pursue the ministry. Why is that so important to you today? Because it's our responsibility as a church to encourage our teens, our children, our youth in the ministry that God has called them to. Whether that ministry is to stand behind a pulpit, whether that ministry is to go out and work in the community, whatever it is, God has placed a ministry in our children's life and it's time we begin to really... Really get invested in that. You know, we hear a lot of people say these words. Well, you know, our youth and our children are the future of the church. Has anyone ever heard that before? But I stand before you to tell you today, they are not the future of the church. They are the church. Just like you are the church, just like I am the church, they are the church. We're not waiting for God to do something in their life. He's waiting for them to do something. He's waiting for them to rise up. He's waiting for them to fill in the call he has for them. So they're not the future of the church. They're the church just as much as we're the church. And so we need to be investing. So clearly Paul invested time in Timothy. He spent time teaching and training. And the stories he must have told him. Did you make it to Acts chapter 9 yet? Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Then Saul. Now let me just stop right there. Some of you may have read this passage before and you say, well, that's Saul. That's not Paul. And it's not talking about King Saul here. It's talking about a man named Saul. And Saul is about to be radically converted. And when he gets radically converted, his name is changed from Saul to Paul. So we're talking about the Apostle Paul here. And it says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now if you'll go back a chapter, you'll see that Saul is actually consenting to Christians being put to death. Why is that? Because he believes he's doing what's right to stand up for his belief. And by his belief, if you come against the word of God that they had at that time, then you just, you couldn't be there. And so he thinks he's doing what's right. He thinks that he is to uphold the scripture that they have. He thinks that he is to do that. He's not going down the road with this new Jesus message, okay? And so he's trying to withhold his portion of scripture that he has at this time. And so he really believes he's doing what's right by getting rid of these Christians that are coming against his faith. And so we see that he's breathing threats of murder. He's consenting to people's death. He's consenting to them being imprisoned. And he goes before the high priest and he asks for a letter from him from the synagogue so that if he finds anyone who is of the way. Let me just stop right there and ask you a question this morning Are you of the way? Are you of the way? If you say, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it is. Well, guess what? You're going to have an opportunity before you leave today to be of the way. What does it mean to be of the way? It means to be a born again, sold out the whole route believer in Jesus Christ. It means that you surrender your life and say, you know what? It's not about me. It's all about him. It's not about my message. It's about his message. It's about putting God in my life and God first. And if you've never had that opportunity today, you're going to have an opportunity to be of the way. So he says, I want a letter that says, if I find anyone who's of the way, whether man or woman, that I might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Doesn't that sound great? Give me a letter that okays it for me to shackle believers, for me to bind and tie up believers and bring them to be imprisoned and even put to death. And he went to the high priest to get this. Now think about this. And so now we see him and he gets this letter. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, verse 3, and suddenly a light shone all around him from heaven. How many of you know the light of Christ cannot be overtaken by the darkness of the world? You see, we have this thought and this theory and this philosophy that darkness is so big that Jesus just can't do anything in the world we live in. But he said, you know what, not only is my light going to shine, but I put my light in each and every one of you that you can be the light in your area and you can illuminate the darkness to the truth of the gospel and don't waver on it. Don't hide your light. He said all of a sudden a light shone down from heaven on him. And he fell to the ground. Think about this. When the glory of God shows up, you can't stand. I mean, this is a man who doesn't even believe, who's putting Christians to death, who's persecuting believers. And all of a sudden, the glory of God comes upon him and he's on his face. How much more today should we be showing the glory of God on a daily basis? Going to get me to preach again. And he says he falls on his face to the ground, and he hears a voice from heaven that says to him, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Now that passage is written in red in my Bible. So who's saying it? Jesus. Now think about this. Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's died. He's been put in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he rose victorious over hell, death, and the grave. He's been seen by all these people who see him alive. He ascends to the Father where he's seated at the right hand of the Father, which is the seat of highest authority in the land. So he's seated in the seat of all authority, and he's in heaven. And now we see Saul is walking, and the light shines upon him, and Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? Jesus isn't here. What do you mean, why am I persecuting you? How does that make sense? Does it make sense to any of us? I'll tell you why it makes sense. Because the Bible tells us that we are the body of Christ. And I don't know about you, but if something happens to my body, my head knows about it. And Christ is the head we are the body now think about this how many times in the middle of the night have you gotten up to go to the bathroom or to get a drink or to check on your kids who are crying whatever it is and you're coming around the bed and you catch your little toe on the bed has anyone ever done that I didn't even know I had a little toe until I caught it I'm gonna tell you a side story and after I tell you this side story my wife's gonna be like I can't believe you told that story one morning I was getting up and I was getting ready to go into the fire station for shift. She's already given me the look. And I'm getting ready and we had in our house, we had this staircase. It was like a quarter spiral. It was beautiful. And I was coming down and when I hit the first step, I fell down the stairs. And about halfway down, my foot got stuck in the banister and my little toe went. Tch. And I thought, wow, the pain is incredible. I didn't even know I had a little toe. I didn't know it had any value. What is the point of it? And all of a sudden, my head knew instantly I had a little toe. Yep. And the funniest part was from the bedroom, my wife yells, you better not have broke the banister. <laughs> not, not how are you doing? Are you in pain? Don't break the banister. But it amazes me How we don't put this together. If he's the head and we're the body, when the world comes against us, they're coming against him. When the world tries to put something into our lives, when they try to rise up against the body of Christ, when they try to rise up against the church and silence the church, they're coming against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're coming against the high priest. They're coming against the Savior. They're coming against the Lamb of God. They don't understand it, but they are pushing against the head who is Jesus. When the body suffers, the head knows. And so Jesus knows, and so he meets Saul on the road, and he says, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Now think about this. Here you have this man who doesn't believe, but he's surrounded by the glory of God, and he has nothing else he can say but, who are you, Lord? There's something powerful about the name of Jesus. There's something powerful about the words of Jesus. There's something powerful. You need to hear that. Why? Because when you put the words of Jesus back by the authority he's given you into motion, there's not a thing in this world that can stop it. And so he says, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. I'm Jesus. How many of you? Have ever walked down the street and met Jesus? Any of you? But the truth is, each and every one of you has met Jesus at some point in your life. Each and every one of you has heard the story. Your faith was built. You see, I grew up in a home that went to church, but that doesn't mean I had a relationship with Christ. I grew up in a home whose parents read the Bible and who taught the Bible. doesn't mean I had a relationship with Christ. And then one day, I met Jesus on my road, on my path. Because here's the truth, and we need to hear this, and you need to hear this, young people, if you're here. Just because your mom and dad come to church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just because your grandparents have given to the church for 100 years doesn't mean that it's a sealed deal. The only way that you can have that security is when you make the decision to make Christ Lord of your life. And so he says, you are persecuting me. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Think about the power that must have been in that moment. That this man who's persecuting Christians says, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You see, the reason I'm giving you the backstory of Paul is because some of us say, man, what a radical transformation. I mean, this guy was bad. But the truth is, each and every one of you sitting today who've been born again had a radical transformation. You say, well, no, that's not true. If that was true, I mean, I didn't live a bad life like that. I didn't do the things Paul did. I didn't, I didn't commit murders. I didn't do all of these terrible things. But here's what's happened in the body of Christ today. We've gotten at a place where we're on a sliding scale for sin. Well, their sin is bad, but mine's not so bad. Well, you see they did this, but I just lied a little. Well, they live like this, I just stole some paper clips from work. They live a terrible life like Paul was a murderer, Paul was a terrible person. I just did a few little bad things. You see, we get in this place with this sliding scale of sin where we can reason it out why it's okay for us to live the way we're living. Well, it's not bad. You know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But here's the truth. The Bible says there is no difference in sin. Sin is sin. It's to, to lie is no different than being a murderer. Amen. To steal is no different than being an adulterer. Sin is sin. But because we've ranked our sin, it's okay to live in it. Yeah. But when we get to a place where we say, listen, I'm not going to live like that because I know that sin is sin and the greater one lives inside of me, I'm going to change my situation. So we look at Paul's radical transformation and we say, man, he is so amazing in his transformation. But the truth is, so are you. So are you. Because do you not know that you've been bought with a price? Let me say it to you like this. We've gotten to a place where if we can justify the sin, we're okay. But the truth is we have to stop justifying our sin and start repenting our sin. And here's the thing, we think that repentance just means, oh, forgive me again, let me go do it. That's not what repentance means. Repentance means to turn away. I'm not going back to where I was because I've been made new. I'm going to change my life. And we get this grace message, and I love grace, which is the unmerited favor of God, but the grace message can be perverted. What do I mean by that? We have people who live their life and say, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, because I'm under grace, and that's not what that means. Paul himself said, should I now, because I'm under grace, live in sin, God forbid. What does it mean to be in grace? It means if I falter, there is freedom and there is forgiveness, but it doesn't okay me to walk in the sin. That wasn't even my notes. That's a side note. You're welcome. Take that with you. But no, listen. you got to hear that. It's not okay to continue doing what we're doing. We need to change. Because when we come to Christ and say, oh, I love you, Lord, and then we go out and live the same way, that's called being a hypocrite. And the world has enough hypocrisy. It doesn't need it from the church. Don't shoot me down for preaching good now. So we rank the sin. But the truth is, sin is sin. But you see, I've been bought with a price. Have you been bought with a price? You see, the radicalness of the transformation is this. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. And when we hear that, we think, well, I'm not, I, I physically, I've always been alive. Listen, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, God said to them, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And they ate of the fruit. And did they physically die? No. Think about that for just a moment. Even the devil perverted and twisted that enough to say, do you really think he's going he's to do that to you? Do you really think that's what's going to happen? Do you really think that you're going to die? No, the truth is he's trying to limit you from enjoying the best life you can have. But what he didn't understand, or what they didn't understand was when the fall happened, physical death came in, right? But what actually happened is what we call spiritual death. What is spiritual death? It's separation from God. And if you are to leave this planet without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will be spiritually dead for all eternity, which means you'll be eternally separated from God the Father. But Jesus came and paid the price, not when I deserved it, not when I earned it. He paid the price when I was yet still a sinner. He gave his life on the cross of Calvary, and because he died and because he rose, I can now live too. And so he gives his life, and now because I believe and I receive him, I've been made new. I'm no longer the same. I got to tell you about a bumper sticker. you guys good with this? You say, really? We're going to talk about a bumper sticker. How many of you remember the bumper sticker? It used to be really popular. Now you don't see it as much. But there used to be a bumper sticker. I used to see it all the time that says, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And man, do we shout about that? Woo! Just a sinner saved by grace. We get excited. That's a shouting moment, isn't it? But let me stand before you and tell you this boldly. That bumper sticker's a lie. Got quiet on the left side here. What do you mean that bumper sticker's a lie? Because I was a sinner who's been saved by grace. Now I'm the child of God. I'm the redeemed. I'm the righteous. I am the son of a king. There's something different. But if the enemy can get you to believe that you're nothing more than just a rotten sinner, you're never going to be worthy to receive what God has for you. Come on now, church. I'm not a sinner saved by grace, I was a sinner. And that very sin nature was removed. Can I still sin? Yes, but it's not what drives me. What drives me is my faith and relationship in Christ. We need to change that stinking thinking because if you believe you're just a sinner saved by grace, you'll never walk in the promises of God. But when you realize who you are, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. I've been redeemed. I've been sanctified. I've been set free. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what makes it so I can go boldly to the throne room of God. But as long as I'm an unworthy sinner, how can I ever go boldly to God? we got to change that thinking. we got to change that thinking. Who are you today? So Paul has this radical conversion. He meets Jesus on the road. And we know that he sends him ahead, and we know that his eyes are covered in scale, and he can't see. Think about that. What an amazing example to what really happened in our real life because we once were blind too. But then we saw Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about the fact how the world is blinded by the God of this world, small g. And the only thing that will change that situation is if we come into it and illuminate it with the truth of God. That's the only thing that's going to change it. So he has this illumination moment, and this is what I love about the story. Jesus says to a man named Ananias, I want you to go in, and there's a man named Saul, and I want you to go pray for him. Mm -hmm. And Ananias does what every amazing Christian would do. But God, (laughs) he's a bad dude. Do you know what he did? I mean, he's putting people to death. He is, he's putting people in shackles. He's tying them up. You want me to walk into the middle of that storm? You want me to give of my time? You want me to pray with that guy? Do you know what he deserves? Come on now, because that's what all of us have this philosophy of. Do you know what so-and-so deserves? What they deserve is the love of Christ. And so he says to him, are you sure you want me to do it? Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. To bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now, some of you haven't shouted at that part right now. But he says, to bear my name before Gentiles. That's you and I. That's you and I. You see, unless you were part of the Jewish family, you, you weren't part of the chosen people. But because Jesus came, now the message can come to the Gentile, which is me. And now I can be grafted into the family of God. I can be adopted into the family of God as though I've always been a part of it. And now I can have that relationship. Why? Because Paul was chosen to take the message to the Gentiles. Amen. And the disciples fought him on it, didn't they? What are you doing telling that stuff to them? That's what God told him to do. He says he's a chosen vessel, and I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Think about this. He said... I'm going to show him how many things he's going to suffer for me. He didn't say I'm not going to show him every victory and I'm going to show him his bank account and I'm going to show him my provision and my goodness. He said I'm going to show him all the things he's going to suffer for me. And Paul still chose to follow. It's amazing as Christian believers how when we get into a time of suffering or a time that's uncomfortable, all of a sudden we think we missed God. Come on, that was good right there. So Ananias goes and he prays over brother Saul and the scales come off and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, we see after several days, it says immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. What a radical transformation that you go from a few days ago, putting people in prison and murdering them to now declaring that Christ is the Christ is the Christ is the Christ, which means the anointed one. Paul had a radical transformation, but so did you. You ever shared your story with anyone? Have you ever told somebody the goodness of God? Have you ever shared it into their life? Now let's get back to Paul. Paul wrote 13 epistles in the New Testament. Does anyone know what the word epistle means? Sometimes we get so torn up by these words. Oh, it's a big word. It means letter. Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. And nine of those letters he wrote directly to churches, the church of Corinth, the church of Galatia, to the church of Ephesus, all of these different churches, he wrote them letters warning them and telling them what God was putting on his heart. And most of the time he's writing these letters, he's imprisoned. But he still thought what God wanted was more important than what he needed. He said, you know what? I might be in prison. And you got to understand back then prison wasn't three hots in a cot with an iPad tablet. Prison was prison. If you didn't have somebody that came and brought you food every day, you didn't eat. It was darkness. You were locked in the inner, in the inner parts. It wasn't like it is today. I'm not saying prison's good and I'm not saying you should be there, but what I'm saying is he was in a bad place and he's writing books about love and he's writing books about forgiveness and he's writing books about how we should be the light of Christ and be the hope. In the middle of his storm. God God is still using him to change people's lives. In the middle of your storm, he'll still use you to change others' lives. So we find him, he writes these, and out of those 13, four of them he wrote directly to people. And three of those, come on now, stay with me, three of those we call the pastoral epistles. What does that mean? That means there's two gentlemen that he writes messages to who are going to move forth the ministry. He calls them his sons of the faith, and he's writing these letters to warn them, to encourage them, to inspire them. And those two men were called Timothy and Titus. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy together this morning. So if you want to start turning there, that was your heads up advancement. Go ahead and start turning to 2 Timothy. You guys should really mark your pages like I do. It's a lot easier. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So 2 Timothy is where we're gonna start. But you have to understand that the 2nd Timothy is actually Paul's last writing. Now some of you who are Bible scholars are gonna say, but the book of Titus comes after the book of 2nd Timothy, and that may be the way the Bible is put together, but 2nd Timothy is his last letter. And I need you to hear this, and I'm gonna show you how I know that this is one of his last letters, and it's found in 2nd Timothy chapter four. Now he's talking to Timothy, he's encouraging him in the ministry, he's warning him of things in the ministry that we're gonna look at. But in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. Come on now, did you hear that? What does that mean to me? That means to me that the verse in the Bible is very clear that every knee will bow before Jesus. And you can bow in victory before your Savior, or you can bow in a whole lot of sorrow because you didn't receive him, but the choice is yours today. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And he says they're all going to bow at his knee. So verse 2, preach the word. That's it. If I, if I could leave you with one thing today, I'm looking at each and every one of you, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. You say, I'm not called to be a pulpit minister. That's great. The word preach means to Proclaim. And you know what? I've seen all of you root for all these different football teams, and I've heard all of you talk about these different sporting events and how excited you get about that. What would happen if the church got excited about Jesus? What would happen if we said, it's okay to get loud about Jesus? It's okay to shout for Jesus. It's okay to tell others about the goodness of Jesus. So many of us know every statistic about our sporting team and don't know anything about the Word of God. It's okay to get loud about Jesus. He said, preach the Word! Exclamation point. Be ready in season and out of season. Are you ready all the time? Yes, sir. Are you ready all the time? You see, most of us wait until we're in the middle of the bad season and then we try to catch up. But what would happen if we were ready all the time and then when things arose and problems arose, we didn't have to worry about it because we already knew what the scripture said. He said, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come, now get this, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. For the time is here. Come on, church. I'm going to preach it on this side. They need to hear this. I said the time is here. We got a lot of churches across the country right now that will teach you a seeker-friendly, make you feel good, pat you on the back message that has no power, it has no meat, and people are walking out being defeated and can't figure out why. Because we need to get back to the truth of the scripture, and we need to preach it the way it is, and not just tell people the things that make them feel good, right? Well, as long as I feel warm and comfy, it was a good service. Guys, I'd rather be challenged every Sunday on my faith than walk out and just feel good for the day. You say, I don't like that. Keep moving. All right. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Well, you don't say what I like, so I'm going to find somebody else that will. You don't preach the way I like because you're so blunt. I've heard people say that before. Well, you just, you just put it out there so strong. So did Jesus. Why would I change that? I have the greatest example of a preacher and a teacher. His name is Jesus Christ, and he loved people, but he taught them the truth. I'm not looking for people to raise up teachers that make them feel good. I'm looking for teachers to be raised up to preach the truth of the gospel. He said, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, the doer of afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. What is he saying? See, that's like really fancy, beautiful, poetic words. He's saying, I'm about to die. I'm about to give up this life to go to glory and to spend eternity with God the Father. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7 and verse 8 should be your theme He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, here's the truth in the body of Christ. We have too many believers today that are going to the grave full of potential of what they should have done, but they didn't do it. We used to have a sign. Now y'all love sports, right? We used to have a sign when we came onto our football field as we ran out of our locker room up to the stairs to go to the field. There was a sign that hung right next to the door and every one of us would tap it because that's tradition, right? And you have to do it. But we would tap it and that sign said, leave it all on the field. No regrets. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to be able to stand before him and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I want to be able to proclaim, I left it all on the field. I gave it everything I had. I ran it until my last breath, and I'm not going to quit, and I'm not going to stop until I see this race finished. He said, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Praise God. He said, listen, it's not just for me, church. There's a crown of righteousness with your name on it. There's a crown waiting for you in the kingdom of God. And he said, if you'll believe and you'll run this race and you'll finish the course and you'll give it what you got. He said, you're going to stand before the king and he's going to place the righteous crown on your head and say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Shh, no regrets. So Paul clearly tells us all here that he's getting ready to leave. Is that right? He's getting ready to depart. He knows his time is at hand. A lot of biblical scholars will argue back and forth on how he died, but at the time they believed that he was martyred by beheading. Doesn't that sound wonderful? What are you willing to give up for the kingdom of God? Not football. Don't ask me to give up football. You know how I know that? Because my wife will tell you, I went through a season where, man, I couldn't wait to get to football. I was pastoring a church. I'd be like, y'all, it's 1145. Game starts in 15 minutes. Wrap it up. Let's get this. Why? Because I wanted to see football. I grew up on football. I lived by football. And the Lord spoke to me one night in prayer and said, would you give that up for me? (laughs) Sure. Sure I would. You know I'd give anything up for you, Lord. Well, then don't do it this Sunday. (laughs) Wait a minute. Now, Lord. Now, Lord, wait. This is the playoffs, Lord. And the team I root for doesn't make the playoffs very often. Now, come on. You're supposed to be nice. You're supposed to feel for me. Oh. But but they were in the playoffs. Are you sure you meant this week? How about next week? You know, how about, no, I felt it in my spirit. Would you give it up this week? Yeah, Lord, I'll give it up. I'll give it up. And you know what I did? I sowed that time in the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying football's bad. I'm not saying TV's bad. I'm not saying you can't go home and watch television. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when it becomes your focus, and it's all you can think about, and that's what drives you, and that's what moves you, then you've put it before God. Come on now. So he's getting ready to depart, and he says, Timothy, I want you to know some things. I want you to hear some things because there's some stuff coming up that you need to know. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. This is where the title of the message came from. But he said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. I need you to hear that. I need you to hear that he says perilous times will come. He doesn't say that just because you're a believer and you have faith in me that you're going to walk on the clouds and never have to face anything in your life. He said, I want you to know, Timothy, I want you to hear this from me, an apostle of Jesus Christ, perilous times will come. That's times of danger, that's what that word means, times of danger, times of uncertainty, times of uncomfortableness. There's going to be these times that are going to come, and you need to understand this, and you need to be ready for this, and you need to be prepared for this. He's getting him ready for what's coming. And, and here's the thing, how many of you know if these are your last words, they're the ones that you want to mean the most? That's right. I can tell you this, when my mom passed away 14 years ago. It was a sudden thing, but she had the opportunity for every one of our family members to come see her the day before she passed. And as they walked into the room, I'll never forget this, my mom's most important thing that she wanted every one of them to know was, I love you. So all she could say, she'd say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then she would close it with this, and God loves you. Because those are the two most important things that she wanted her family to know. That she loved them and that God loved them. And it was so powerful. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. But I'm like, she's leaving me with the most important things she wants me to know. She wants me to know that I'm loved by her and by God the Father. Wow. What a moment. And on the next day, she was pretty much unresponsive. But when you would go in and say, Mom, she'd smile. Why? Because she wanted you to know that she loved you. And so Paul is getting ready to depart and he's telling Timothy, listen, this is so important that you hear these words, that you know these words in the last days, perilous times will come. Are we living in the last days? Now I'm not standing up here trying to scare you into anything, trying to, but I can promise you this, we're closer to the return of Christ today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow will be closer. And the next day we'll be closer. And I'm looking forward to the coming of Christ, but at the same time I know that I have work to do before he comes. How many of you here say, I have loved ones, I have friends, I have co-workers that don't know Jesus? If that's you, you have work to do before he comes. But why are we waiting to start the work? Come on now. Perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves." Come on now, don't you look at your neighbor. Don't you look at those? I know in the minute I said that, you all thought of somebody. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah, so-and-so. But look at the world we live in today. Are they not lovers of themselves? It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about, man, I'll tell you what, when we lived in Tulsa, it was amazing. It was so powerful to see the love that was there, and people were so friendly, and it was so awesome. And then Christmas season hit, and people are honking and flipping people off and cutting people off. Why? Because all of a sudden you saw what was real, and what was real is I'm more important than you. They became lovers of themselves. I got to get that gift. I got to get that parking spot. What I need is more important. My time's more valuable. They've been lovers of themselves. He said, it's going to happen. Lovers of money. Some of you instantly said, don't you talk about money. Don't you even go there. But lovers of money. We have people in the world today that will do anything they can to get a dollar. You don't believe me? Turn on the television. Some of the stuff they're producing is nonsense, but it's making them a dollar. We have people actually in the, in the industry, in film industry, that proclaim to be Christians, and they're putting out garbage. Why? Because it's all about that dollar. It's all about that fame. You say, what do you mean? Well, well it would never happen in church. Come on now. You say, I don't become a lover of money, but you just rob God of his tithe. <laughs> Shh. Come on. You say, don't shake that tree, Okay lovers of money, boasters. Come on, we all know some boasters, don't we? We all know and love to tell their story. You know what, I'd rather tell Jesus' a story, and when I go to heaven, if you don't remember my name, that's fine as long as you remember his name. Yeah. When I walk into a room, I don't care if you know my name, I want to be mistaken for Jesus. I want, be, I want to be walking into a room and have you say, oh, here comes that believer again. Yeah, that's right, because it's not about me. Right. They're proud. They're blasphemers. Whoo, come on now. You say, I'm glad he's not going in depth on all these. Disobedient to parents. Guys, we're raising a generation that has no respect for their parents. And I'll tell you why. Now, don't yell at me. And if you want to send me an email, just send it to Chasen. He'll get it. He'll respond. But here's the truth. We're raising a generation of kids who don't have respect for their parents because we have parents that are spending too much time trying to be their kid's friend <laughs> rather than be their parent. Your kids have enough friends. They need a mom and a dad. They need somebody that's going to put the truth in them. They need somebody that's going to set boundaries for them, put rules in their life, put direction in their lives. They've got enough friends. Let's start being parents. <laughs> said disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful. Thankful, unholy, unloved. The list goes on. Isn't this a great list, y'all? Are like, whoo, I can't wait to get to lunch. This is so encouraging. But it will be. He said, "They're unforgiving slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good." Yeah. Look around the world today. We have a world system today that is taking everything that's good. And making it bad. And taking every lie and every perversion and everything it can and boasting it to be good. And this is what he's talking about. It's going to happen. They're going to change good for evil. They're going to think they're doing great things. They're going to be traitors and headstrong and haughty and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but I could not have written a better description of the world we live in. He said, in the last days. Guys, we're in the last days. Man, what a powerful description of the world we live in. This is all of these things. And man, when we hear this, we literally go, man, verses 1 through 4, that is 2022. That is 2023. I mean, that is what we're living in. But it doesn't end in verse 4. It goes on to verse 5. We don't like to read verse 5, but we're going to read it together. Having a form of godliness... Having a form of godliness. What is he telling Timothy? Timothy, this may sound like the world, but it's coming to your church. Yeah. Why would Paul have to give Timothy a description of the world? Timothy knows what the world is. Listen, I'm going to say it in a simplified way, and you're going to be like, oh, I don't like that. That's okay. Here's the truth. Dogs bark because they're dogs. Sinners sin because they're sinners. Sinners. It's their nature. Why is it that the church gets so bent out of shape when the world is sinning? That's their nature. That's what they know to do. That's what they're driven by. That's what they live by. They don't know any different. They haven't been changed. They're still living in that same old sin nature. So if the world has always been that way, why would Paul have to tell Timothy about the world? He didn't. He said, listen, they have a form of godliness but deny its power. And from such people, turn away. This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, Timothy, they're going to come into your church and they're going to have the right word and they're going to have a good smile and they're going to have a good story and people are going to be drawn to that and people are going to say, man, this guy is powerful and man, this guy speaks it. And oh man, but here's what it's not showing you. There's no power and there's no fruit. Jesus said in the Bible, you will know them by their fruit. So what happens is we have people coming into churches today and because they dress a certain way and they look a certain way and they look like they have it all together, they're pulling people out of the church and they're causing division all over and people are becoming lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God and following after the things of the flesh. Why? Because they're following after people who produce no fruit. He said, you better get ready, church, because it's coming and you're going to have those who are going to come in with a good word, but nothing to back it. They deny the power of God. He wasn't warning Timothy that, hey, listen, Timothy, this is going to be around you in your job. He was saying it's coming to the church. It's coming to the church. And guess what, church? It's here. Look around the church today. Look around what happens, and I'm not saying this church. When I say the church, I'm talking about the church as a whole. It's happening all over the place. As long as they have the right look, as long as they have the right confession, we'll just follow them. Why? I'll tell you exactly why. Are you ready for this? Because we're not getting this inside of us. And because we're not rightly dividing the word, and because we don't know what the word says, we'll follow anyone who looks like they should be be followed. Well, it sounds good. I'll just follow him. Oh, maybe that isn't right. Well, then I'll just follow him over here. We're not rooted in the word. So when lies and nonsense come up, we can say that's not true. Where's the fruit to back it? Where's the power to back it? You say, well, what is the fruit that I should producing? I'm glad you asked. Galatians chapter five. Turn there with me, if you will, and we'll wrap it up with this. Galatians chapter five. You doing good so far? We should be producing fruit of the Spirit. If you've been changed, if you've been converted, and you are now a temple of the Holy Ghost, why are you not producing fruit? Mm -hmm. You see, the Bible says, can a a grapevine give you a tomato? I mean, I just paraphrase that, but that's really what it says, right? Do you expect to plant corn and harvest soybeans? Then what fruit are we producing? Says this, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Is love. Love. Do you know what love is? First of all, the Bible says that God is love. But how did he show love? I'll tell you how he showed love with three nails on the cross of Calvary. Yeah. He gave his only begotten son. God loved you so much, he gave of himself. He gave Jesus. Now let's take it a step further. Let me show you what love is. It's a man hanging on the cross named Jesus who loved you enough that he gave of himself and took your place. What would happen if the church began to walk in agape, biblical, God kind of love and said, I'm going to sacrifice of myself for the good of others. I'll tell you exactly what would happen. It's called revival. You know, we're all praying for revival and God's waiting for us to start it. I'm going to say it over here. You need to hear it. We're all praying for revival, and God's waiting for us to start it. Why? Because revival starts right here. And it has to start in me before I can start it in you. And it has to start in you before you can start it in your neighbor. You see, we have to have revival in our own lives and then carry that revival into our world. Man, I want to see every church full every week. That's what I want to see. But where does it start? It starts right here. It starts right here. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's <laughs> joy. When's the last time you walked in joy? I'll tell you, this is something that that some people will tell you, some people won't. But when you stand at a pulpit up here and you look out at a congregation, you should see a bunch of happy people. But you don't. You see people that say, well, I'm here because i got to give my 30 minutes. And I'm going to give you only 30 minutes. Listen, one of the churches I pastored, I loved this gentleman. I loved him. I loved him. I loved him. But when time was time, he would go like this from the back. (laughs) And if you didn't stop within a couple minutes, he'd leave. That was just it. I gave my 30 minutes. Don't ask me for 35. That's what I'm giving. And he left. Why? Because he had other things. And I'm not taking that away from him. I loved him. He loved the Lord with all his heart. But but listen, we need to get to a place where we're joyful people who can't wait to be at church, that we can't wait to come and hear the good news, and we can't wait to share our testimony, and we can't wait to talk about the goodness of God, and we should leave this place, and we should be the happiest people in the restaurant. We should be the happiest people at our jobs. We should be the happiest people. Why? Because I've been bought with a price. It's not my money that makes me rich. Shh, you see, the world says differently. The world says, that guy's crazy. But here's the truth, it's not my money that makes me rich. It's my relationship with Christ that makes me rich. What do I mean by that? If I left this place today and I had no car and no job and no bank account and no food, I'm still the richest man in the world because I have Jesus. And we need to understand that my, my worth doesn't come from things of the world. My worth comes from Jesus. And he said I was worth so much that he gave his life. He died for me. How much more could I be worth? He gave his life. He said, you should have peace. Church could use a little peace, couldn't it? Church is in more turmoil than the world half the time. We got all kinds of struggles, all kinds of cares. We come to church on Sunday morning. I love the Lord and he's so good. And we walk out the door and we live the other six and a half days in panic and worry and doubt and fear and depression and anxiety. When we should be walking in peace. You see, this is what Jesus said in the scripture. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. What does that mean? That means that he gave us freely peace. You can walk in peace. Did you know that? We're not striving to get peace. He gave us peace. And he said, not as the world gives. What does that mean? The world gives peace and gives love with condition. If you meet these conditions, you can have this. Jesus said, because of our relationship, it's yours and I'm going to walk in that peace, and I'm going to walk in that joy. And he said, we're going to walk in long-suffering. Now, this is one that most people want to cross out of their Bible. Long-suffering, that means I have to endure people. That means I have to endure my daughter-in-law. That means I have to endure my mother-in-law. That means I have to endure. But Jesus endured a lot and still loved. Sure, he overturned some tables, but he did a lot of love for the Father. Come on, long-suffering. Most of us can't leave the church and drive home without letting somebody know how you feel about them in the car, don't you? I mean, listen, I I, I preached in New Jersey for several years, and if you ever want to know about long-suffering, drive on a New Jersey highway. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I mean, you want to, like, take off the halo, put it down for a minute, and let them know how you feel. And I mean, I would, pooh, come on, I'd grab the wheel, and I'm, oh, I'll let you know, because they couldn't hear me, right? So it should be okay, but the truth is, it's not. And so I'd be, I'd be so mad at the steering wheel, and I'd be really all upset, and I'd be talking away, and my wife would say, you know, back of the car says Jesus on it, you know that, right? I mean, like, are you being a witness? I mean, really, think about it now. How many of us won't leave this place without getting six feet out of here and grumbling about something? It's because we're not long-suffering. He said we should be producing the fruit of kindness. Woo. Yeah. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Come on, circle this one. Self-control. 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 I might say that one more time. Self-control. Control. Amen. Are we producing the fruit of self-control? Or are we just blowing up like the world blows up? Acting a fool for no reason. Guys, we need to be producing fruit. Yeah. In the church, we don't just follow whoever, we follow those who are producing fruit. Amen. He said, gentleness and self-control. Now look at this, verse 23 at the end. Against such there. Is no law. Why is that so important? You see, the Bible tells us the reason that the law was put into place because if there was no law, then how can you hold anyone accountable? Let me put it to you like this If there was no law against stealing, I could come to your house, go into your garage, grab whatever tools I want, take them home, and you could do nothing about it because there's nothing to hold me accountable. But he said, listen, we put the law into place, so now there's accountability. But if you want to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and truly walk according to what the Spirit is leading and guiding and teaching you, there is no law against you because you're fulfilling everything God's asked you to do. So I want to ask you as we get ready to close in prayer right now. My question is this. What fruit are you producing? In the last days, perilous times will come. But I want to ask you, what fruit are you producing? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know this Jesus. You talked about being of the way and I'm not of the way. I've never given my life to Christ. I've never given my heart to Christ. But I want to walk in that. I want to walk in the gifts that were purchased for me. I want to walk in the peace that was given to me. I want to walk in the worthiness that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. If that's you all over this place, I want you to be real with yourself. And I want you to slip your hand up anywhere in this place if you need Jesus. Anywhere in this place. Nobody looking around. This is about you and Jesus right now. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to take a walk. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to take a walk to this altar. And as I did last week, I asked Jason to come forward. I'm going to ask him to come forward again because he's such a vital part of this body. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to come forward. You say, why do I have to walk? It's called a walk of faith. Jesus took a walk for you to the cross of Calvary. Won't you walk for him? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I I gave my life to Christ years ago, but I've been living like the world, acting like the world, talking like the world, chasing after the things of the world. And today I wanna rededicate my life to Jesus. That's you, in just a moment I'm gonna ask you to take that same walk. Third invitation I'm gonna open up to you today. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I just feel like my world's crumbling. I just feel empty. I just feel lost. I'm a believer. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I just feel like I'm stuck in a time of wilderness. And I need somebody to pray with me, to pray over me, to stand in the gap with me. If that's you on any of those three invitations, I'm going to ask you right now to slip out of your seat and come forward. I'm going to have Jason meet me up here and we're going to pray with you if you need prayer. Praise your Lord. 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 We're going to wrap it up in just a minute, but I don't want to miss an opportunity because the most important decision you'll ever make in your life is Jesus. It's the only decision you'll make that will affect you for all eternity. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that all hearts are clear. I thank you, Lord, that each and every person here this morning is declaring that they know you as their Lord and Savior. My prayer is that if there's someone here who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that they will not leave this place till they know that they know that they know that they'll spend eternity with you. Lord, I ask for every need that you see in this room. I ask you to begin to move in their lives. I ask you to begin to touch their situation and change what needs to be changed. And we thank you in advance for your miracle working power. In Jesus' precious name, and we all said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you and we will see you tonight.